Welcome to episode 62 of the Cigar Snob Podcast. As we inch our way toward this podcast's retirement age and podcast years, uh, I'm kind of making up podcast years. I don't know if that's how that works, but yeah. uh, we will be smoking a Sindicato Cigars product, which actually, if you uh, have gotten your hands on the most recent issue of Cigar Snob Magazine, you know that... Uh, uh, there's a brand breakdown of Syndicato brands in the magazine. So uh, if you're a subscriber or you're at a shop with a, with a copy of the uh, November-December issue, pull that thing out. Follow along with us as we go on this Syndicato journey. Um, we'll also be talking about uh, Kevin Hart saying stuff about gay people, uh, our trip into the desert for four days. So before we get into all that, a word from this episode's sponsor, Drew Estate. Welcome, by the way, to Drew Estate, to the uh, the world of the Cigar Snob podcast sponsors. A hearty welcome to you. All right. Here we go. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense plantation-grown Matafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera, and presented in five vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. Okay, on this episode of <coughs> excuse me, the Cigar Snob Podcast, <coughs> whoa, hey, we are smoking Particulares by Sindicato Cigars. This cigar is a Nicaraguan puro. We are smoking the number one, which is a six and a quarter by 48 that retails for $7.95. It is made by Aganorsa for Sindicato Cigars. Uh, there's a little bit of a history behind uh, the brand itself. So the brand is uh, you know one of these like legacy Cuban brands. 1935, the Particulares factory was purchased by Alonso Menendez, who is the father of cigar legend Benji Menendez. Um, and, uh, you know, over the years, the brand sort of ended up kind of discarded by uh, Cuban, the Cuban cigar operation. Um, and then in 2002, Pedro Martin, who had been making the brand, uh, sold it to Eduardo Fernandez. So the uh, Pedro Martin and, and Eduardo Fernandez have a uh, very, or, you know, very close relationship. Pedro Martin has always been a part of um, of Eduardo Fernandez's cigar journey. Um, well, yeah, and Eduardo uh, purchased Tropical Tobacco, right. which uh, I think in in that purchase, uh, Particulares came along, I believe. Right, right. So um, and so anyway, yeah. So now um, the uh, the brand is made by Aganorsa. Um, for uh, for Sindicato. So, anyway, all of that is to say that this is a brand with a bunch of history uh, that has sort of you know changed hands, but uh, through all that, has uh, really always been associated with like top tier manufacturing. Like this is yeah, and it's it's a wonder that yeah, it's it's a wonder that it's not thought of as being like among those like household name cigars like the Monte yeah. Cristos and all that. Yeah, cuz it and it is an excellent cigar. By the way, what do you, how do you think uh non-Spanish speakers say particulares? Part- mm. Particulares? Particulares. 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 Par- 
Particle errors. Mm, particle errors. Particle errors. Uh, yeah, I'm always curious about that because you know, for us, we take it for granted. We just we say the names in Spanish and don't even think twice. But you know, like tatuaje it was tatuaje, and oh, I love tatuaje. Oliva is Olivia. So, I even hear a lot of Spanish speakers say Olivia, like when they're speaking when they're speaking English, they'll say Olivia. I don't know how that. I guess it's just like you want to. I don't know. I don't know. Olivia Newton John it. I like that. Uh, uh, but anyway, this I think would be partic- yeah. I, I think particulars. Particulars. Partic- particulars. That's I'm just having a particulars. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, th- what did this rank in our in our top twenty five? I think it was uh, not last year's top twenty five, oh, the one before. So yeah, uh, top twenty five of twenty sixteen. It was number ten. So with a ninety three rating. So yeah, if uh, it was a different vetola, by the way, it was the uh, the delicioso, which is a six by fifty four, so pretty much a straight Toro, whereas this is more of a Lonsdale, but uh, but yeah, a fantastic cigar, uh, to say the least. For sure, for sure. Uh, so now that we've given all of this history and and all that stuff, where are you guys with the cigar so far? We we've all what are we like a quarter inch in, give or take? I'm I'm maybe a little less than that. Uh. So a touch of creaminess, cedar, little sweetness to the cedar, uh, in in, ter- in in terms of what I'm getting, and a and a tiny bit of just like a light spice. Yeah, it's very balanced. I get minimal pepper. Extremely, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's like, and it says crema. It, do, it does have a lot of cream to it. I know that might be like the the toad or something. I don't know. But no, no, they all say cremas. They all say whole. Yeah. Well, it's got a bunch of crema. Yeah. It's nice. It's got all the cremas in there. Uh, yeah, for sure, balanced. I, I get a lot more of the the cedariness than I tend to associate with Aganorsa, um, for me anyway, uh, which, you know, which is which is good. You know, like, it, it, it's, it, they're, they're a factory that's capable of doing a lot of things, but there's still yeah. sort of that underlying sweetness um, that they tend to bring as well. Uh, so yeah, definitely a, a well-balanced cigar, a lot of good stuff happening in there. Also really uh, clean, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Very clean on the palate. It mm-hmm. doesn't, it doesn't hang, uh, with any sort of unsavory notes. It, uh, it's really a well-done cigar. Strength-wise, it's right, right at medium, I think. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. The wrapper is shade-grown Corojo, which... I only bring up because I know we like to say Corojo around here. Yeah. Corojo. Corojo is a fun word. Uh, okay. So, uh, moving on. Kevin Hart made some people bellicoso. Uh, <laughs> That's a good way to put it. With, uh, uh, unbeknownst to, he, he very, uh, there's a, a delay in the bellicosity. Um, so, Kevin Hart was slated to host the Academy Awards and has since backed out. Um, over controversies about tweets from a pretty long time ago. Backed out, or they backed him out? No, he, he backed out. Yeah, he backed out. Self. Okay. Yeah, yeah. they uh, supposedly asked him to apologize. Yeah. And he said, no, yeah. I'm not going to apologize. How about this? I'm just going to back out. Yeah. Well, because his thing was, I have apologized. If you put the energy... So basically, he, he had made... He tweeted a lot of stuff. Like, there's a whole bunch of tweets... Where he's just sort of casually referring to people as gay or, like, you know, even, like, tweeting at friends of his, like, you know, 
calling him gay, like kind of just ribbing or whatever. Well, and then there's the the one bit about his son. And, right, right. right. Um, yeah, about his like basically not wanting his son to be gay. Yeah, or to turn out gay. Um, you know, so there are all the questions about you know you can feel however you want to feel about that, and I'm sure we'll we'll get into you know whether comedians should be able to push those envelopes or you know what the expectation should be. But to your point about the apology thing, his thing was I have apologized for this, and if I apologize again, I'm just setting this precedent where like. I'm never done. Every time I, to get any job now, I'm going to have to keep apologizing for the same stuff over and like on principle. I think that was his position. Like I have apologized. You can find those apologies. They were very public. I'm not going to keep doing this. I'll back out before I get into the position of having to apologize for the same tweets every single time I get a high profile gig. Unfortunately, he ended up apologizing again anyway. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that, yeah, that, <laughs> it's a no win right now. Right. So you, you may as well just not be a comedian. Right. Because comedians, that's what they do. They poke fun. They make fun of you. I mean, shit, it's just part of the job, right? Uh, so, yeah, I I have an issue with the whole thing. I think, again, it's part and parcel of being a comedian is you have to push the envelope. Otherwise, your bit is worthless. Sure. So. Yeah, and, there, and, there's, and there's risk there. But I think it's also incumbent on on the rest of us. Just, there's, a, there's like a reading comprehension component to it right like if you can't take what you're seeing and put it into some kind of context mm -hmm. that affects the way you're reacting to it I, th I think that's an unhealthy place in general for people to be well i think a, i think a, a large part of the country is in that place right now sure about every i mean whether it be about uh homosexuality or about racism or about w whatever number of topics there may be uh yeah we're in this very polarized place where If you don't 100% agree with it, you're bashing the shit out of it on yeah. on social media and trolling. And uh, it's we're in a bad place right now. We're yeah. Are you uh, equally as guilty uh, at laughing at one of these jokes as you are at, uh, when somebody says it? Because if you were to say an inappropriate joke, for example, in this case about homosexuals, were you to, and you laugh at the joke... Are you equally as guilty? Like, are you as guilty as the person who told the joke? Yeah. I'm sure some people would think so. I don't, I mean, well, I don't think anybody is guilty there. Right. Right? Yeah, but, that was, that's exactly where I was going is I, I just. But, but, but if humor. the question is, are you as much in danger of being pointed to as guilty? Sure. I, I think that part depends on who's doing the pointing, but for sure there are people out there who yeah. would, would pull that move. The thing is, you know, unless you happen to be like, I don't know, retweeting it. Or in the audience, like visible to that person who's going to do that finger pointing, um, the risk is minimal, right? But but yeah, like if somehow it comes out that you're laughing or like that you find it funny, then yeah, you're a terrible person too. Hmm. Yeah, of. that that would be the equivalent of hitting like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. yeah. What the guy posts the bit on his Twitter, and you hit like. Yeah. Yeah. You and him and everyone is getting lumped in as, <clears throat> as. Uh, As guilty here, right? But uh, yeah, I, I'm for me personally, like you know, I don't know. You can make you can make all kinds of fun. Like I see comedians making fun of Hispanics, and I right. find it hilarious. No, and even not just comedians. I I, I think it's also like I, I I personally like I don't tend to approach comedians as having a different standard. I think the standard is when you're clearly joking, and comedians on a stage, that's when there's no question they're joking, right? 
if it's in conversation, then you can get into debates about like, oh, well, I took what that guy said this way or that way. But like, I had a friend in college um, who uh, he I'm Cuban. He's uh, an African-American. And I was in his phone as Nick the Spick. Yep. And he was constantly making Spick jokes. I didn't give a shit because they were funny. He was joking about how hairy my chest is, how my, you know, my fondness for black beans. Yeah. All that shit. Um, there is a certain, you know, there's that, uh, that intersectional matrix where, you know, one of the issues then becomes that when we were walking around campus, it was no problem if people overheard him calling me a spick. Very different if I had certain words for him in my phone. Yeah. And so then you get into all those questions. But, and in this case, I think the fact that it's somebody who's, who's gay uh, or talking about gays, especially at this time with yeah. that being one of the principal, you know, uh, hot button, hot button item, yeah. items, uh, is probably, is, I think it's a factor as well. Um, no doubt about it. But, um, but yeah, so anyway, so he's, he's out of the Oscars. He's not the only story there. There's also, uh, oh, God, I'm blanking his name, Heisman winner. Oh, I didn't even. I don't even know Heisman. Yeah, the the guy who just won a Heisman from Kyler it, Kyler Murray. Uh huh. Yeah, is where's he? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So he he tweeted and has had to come out and apologize. I I think he like called somebody queer, but he was fourteen, 14 years old. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. It's like man, uh, fourteen, and you do grow as a person. I mean, to uh, Kevin Hart's point, uh, you may have had a mentality growing up, and maybe it's a, a product of your upbringing or or where you were, and. And you can grow and improve. Right. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. And, and judging a guy because of his tweets when he was fourteen years right. old is rough. And I think the assumption that part of that growing isn't making mistakes, right? Like that's most of growth in anything. Yeah, is is fucking up. It's and, just that they're growing in a public space, right? And so, and in the, the comedians case of are Murray, always you know yeah. growing. Like you're always looking for the next place you're gonna go. And so anyway, uh, I'm just worried that. That in the end we're not gonna have any color, any any comedy, any real, you know, like for example, you played Blazing Saddles, oh, right now, right? You play that in a public space, there will be outrage. Like if Cigar Snob holds this uh, public viewing of Blazing Saddles, <clears throat> a comedy classic, right? There would be outrage right. because everyone gets insulted in that movie. Yeah, I mean everyone. Well, there was a story. Uh... You mentioned Blazing Saddles, and I'm thinking other Mel Brooks things, uh, like uh, Springtime for Hitler. Yep. Um, there was a, a high, maybe a high school or a middle school, but some school somewhere, there was a story that they did a production of The Sound of Music and got rid of all the Nazi references and props, which the whole story is about people fleeing Nazis. Yeah, that is... Uh, but there was like this... Like, critical to the story. Right. And it's not even like, hooray Nazis. It's like, the story is that these people are trying to get away from the big bad Nazis. But yeah, so anyway, that, to your point, like, there's a... There's the question of how far you take all that, and at what point does it get to be ridiculous, and I think it's at least sometimes there. If not a lot of the time. Right now, it feels like a lot of the time. Yeah. I wonder, uh, I mean, we don't have to get into our own personal stuff, but I I think it's also, you know, bears mentioning that there's nobody in or listening to this podcast. I'm sure if you dug back deep enough in social media and all that shit, uh, and I have a personal policy of I just never delete anything ex unless I'm like fixing a typo, but I know that there's stuff out there that I've said or done or whatever, 
Oh, you have now sent. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's the fine. schmooze and the schmoozers oh, the into your uh, into your timeline to find. Yeah, yeah. Off for color sure, comments. For sure, there's stuff, but you I know would... who I'd love to hear their uh, their opinion on this topic is the owner of this brand, uh, Jim Colucci. Uh, oh, Jimmy! You know we, we need to get Jimmy on. Who's a very, very colorful person himself. We need very to get funny. Jimmy on. He's he's great radio, Jim. Yeah, I love that good. guy. I, I I hope you're not sicking <laughs> people on his <laughs> social on his media. Twitter, no, his tweets. No, 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 he's no. much too savvy for that. Um, anyway. and also, by the way, much too old, right? So right, yeah, yeah. He was he's old enough he where he's he's yeah he's he's past. Yeah. There's no 14 year old Jim tweets, tweets out there. No, yeah. Uh, all right, so... By the way, Jim, I wasn't calling you old, okay? Because I'm going to get a phone call after he hears this. Uh, so, uh, speaking of... Uh, <laughs> what is the segue? Oh, now? here we go. Speaking of minorities, I had some Indian fry bread ah. in Phoenix. Uh, that was a new cultural experience for me. Uh, our art director, Andy, and I were in the Phoenix area, working on a travel story, so that's going to run in the January issue. Very little of it was actually in Phoenix. Very little was in Phoenix proper, yeah. Um, but you guys, you had been to Phoenix yep. and, and done some of this. Was it for a travel story years yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I want to say like eight years ago. Yeah, what were your impressions then? Because at that time, I had practically no experience with that area. Well, I loved it as a, as a cigar market. I thought it was... Uh... It was a vibrant cigar market. There was a lot of good stores. There weren't the crazy number of stores like there are, say, in Atlanta or or Dallas. But the stores that were there were very good. I I, uh, I loved the market, and we even did a uh, we did a cigar snob marathon out there. Which, for those of you that don't know, it doesn't involve any running. It's it's a marathon of of smoking cigars going from store to store. Uh, and, and we loved it, man. I love that market. I love uh, Cigar King and uh, is it Cigar Fox? Is that what it is? Uh, Fox Cigar Fox, Bar. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Churchill's I liked. Uh, yeah, I, I love the market. Yeah, so. Um, and, and I love the, like, for me, it, it was like an alien landscape. I had never been out to the right. uh, to the Southwest, and I thought it was so cool that everything was freaking uh, reddish, yeah. reddish brown and. And sandy, whereas here we have green everywhere. There right. it was like little specks of green. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Ivan, have you done Phoenix? No. No. I've watched the Fiesta Bowl oh. a so few times. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Well, you know, so you pretty much were there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, to your point about uh, it not really being in Phoenix. So if you're uh, a person who travels considering going definitely keep an eye out for the january issue which you're going to be looking for anyway because of the top 25 list uh but also check out the travel story we'll have more detailed recommendations and a sort of fuller account of what we did while we were in town but one of sort of the overarching takeaways is that uh downtown phoenix is worth stopping into but is not a place that you're going to spend a ton of time in uh especially if you're there to smoke cigars because there are pretty much none in downtown phoenix uh there's some decent bars and restaurants but uh phoenix is a city that is sort of like going through or has been going through a lot of transformation just with like an influx of transplants from all over the place uh, and we ran into a ton of that. Like, everybody's from somewhere else. Basically, like, colder, now, wetter places. <laughs> now, uh, was the fact that there were no real cigar shops in Phoenix proper, uh, was that 
did you look into whether or not that was related to a, a legislation or anything like that? No. Well, uh, it, it's, it's possible, like but but the but what most people were telling me was that the downtown just doesn't have a lot of residents. So at night, it's dead. Uh, and dead that's, to me. And that's part of what's changing is that you have a lot of younger people moving into Phoenix, older people who are you know having kids and all that. Like it, it's starting to transform, and you're starting to see more residential build up. But for a cigar lounge to be successful. You know, you got to depend on more than travelers coming through. You got to have, you know, residents. And if everybody leaves uh, after, you know, happy hour, basically, you, you that's not sustainable. So most people, uh, most of the smoking anyway, happens in Scottsdale, uh, which is pretty spread out. Uh, you know, it feels very suburban, especially because uh, the local governments are actually much stricter about uh, tall buildings than they are about cigars. Uh, you know, not to not interfere with the landscape. Uh, as a libertarian crazy person that bothers me on principle, the end result does end up being visually appealing. Because uh, even like the colors of buildings, you can tell like they've regulated the shit out of it. Uh, you can't have a lot of bright colors. And what it ends up feeling like is you always feel like you're in the desert, even if you're like in a strip mall. Because yeah. everything is brown and gray or a dark sort of, you know, dark greens. Um, even like fast food places. Uh, I was noticing, I'm, I imagine that this is deliberate or, or by law. Like, McDonald's doesn't have that big M on a tower. It sort of, like, sits low. Oh, really? So there's nothing interfering with your view of anything, really. Um, and you're always, like, super conscious of all the mountains that are surrounding you and the whole thing. So it was, in, in that way, like, it's it's cool. It's a super cool town to look at in parts of the city that you wouldn't expect it to be cool to look at because you're like in a suburb or in a residential area or, you know, places that don't feel like there's a lot going on, but you always have that scenery, which is cool. Um, what, um, back to cigars though. Yep. Uh, I also just remembered, uh, ambassador cigars. I like that too. Vartan. Mm -hmm. Uh, what, um, at the risk of putting you on the spot, what was your, what was your favorite shop? Favorite shop. So um, let's say selection wise. Selection wise. Okay. Uh, let's see. So Vartan has an excellent selection, especially if, um, you want a place with like a, a focus on really high end stuff. He's got all the Padron, all the Davidoff, a lot of, like a lot of Davidoff. So he has his own house brand. Uh, it's not fair to call it a house brand because uh, I think they sell it more than just at his stores. Um, but it's made by Davidoff. So he has that closer relationship with them. Uh, and it's been made by Davidoff for a long time. It's called Vartan. Vartan, yeah. Um, uh, Cigar King obviously has uh, a great selection and also uh, a much wider uh, uh, portfolio of their own brands. So if you're a smoker and you want to go and like try stuff that you haven't had before, uh, they have a lot of their own stuff. And what's cool about the Cigar King brands is that they're all made by different factories, but they're all like legit factories. Like, you know, they've, they've got There's stuff. There's no from, Mickey Mouse. Yeah, yeah. He's got stuff made by AJ, by Aganorsa, by, you know, I'm not going to bother trying to, yeah, yeah. by Bing. Um, so that's cool. Um, let's see. So uh, Churchill's selection is also good. Um, and Stag, Stag has three locations. The location we went to was out in Glendale, mainly because we wanted to get out of Scottsdale for a little bit. I don't know what the other stores are like, but the Glendale location... Um, especially con like when you go up to the store, you feel like, like this is not going to be very impressive. Uh, it's a, you know, humble neighborhood shop. Yeah. That humidor is loaded, loaded, loaded. Um, there's a ton in there. Uh, 
So worth checking out, like especially if you're going to maybe on your way back to the downtown from like a Cardinals game or a Coyotes game or something like that where you're out west. You don't have to go all the way back to Scottsdale. You can stop in there. It's a cool lounge, like, you know, very friendly uh, and excellent selection. Um, in terms of like if you're a traveler and you want to go and uh, you know, sort of basing your decision on what you're going to do, I think maybe for me and Andy, our favorite thing was uh, Cave Creek, which is, a, I guess you could call it a suburb or a town just north of Scottsdale. Yep. Uh, and so we stopped into Smoke and Joe. Uh, not smoke in Joe, smoke and Joe. Which is As in coffee. Right, smoke and Joe. Um, which, by the way, uh, there is coffee. Uh, <laughs> uh, when we went, I think they were uh, having their espresso machine worked on, which made Andy very angry. Yeah. Uh, For a couple of Cubans uh, yeah. in Arizona, you'd, I've, you'd want some espresso. I've, I'm more adapted to to surviving on American coffee, but Andy is... Andy's not a happy camper until he gets his espresso every day. Yeah. Uh, makes... Or his fourth or fifth. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we were there with, uh, with the owner, John, and a couple of regulars. And uh, their selection is growing. So John just bought the store. And he's sort of uh, building up the, the humidor. And, but their selection is not wide, but super high in quality. Like they've, they're you know, building incrementally. They're not going super bananas right now. But you can tell that, like, the choices they're making are very well-informed choices. Um, but so on the coffee side, do they roast their own coffee? No. They just no. have... No, they've got, like, a little coffee bar yeah. there. And, and you they're can, just into it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, anyway, so then we went up to Cave Creek, and I would recommend stopping into Smoke and Joe, picking up a couple cigars, and then going up to Cave Creek where there are a lot of these, like, roadside biker bars. Uh, and, you know, cigar-friendly, at least in the outside areas, and uh, super cool experience um you know especially if you want to do get sort stabbed of like or anything? so so when we were going up there we were thinking like oh biker bar this is going to be a it was they were biker bars but again what i was saying before is a lot of transplants a lot of these are like people from elsewhere who are moneyed yeah mid, you know midlife crisis uh biker types right or like trader hob- trader from wall street is yeah, uh, on or his like Harley. hobbyist bikers or yeah you know so you got a lot of people who just are kind of into that that's in the same way that like you know uh i guess you could even think of it the way you would think of like if you weren't a cigar smoker and somebody said you were going to a cigar bar probably certain images that come into people's minds of like people in i don't know ascots and uh you know being snooty and so in the opposite way like you think you're going to a biker bar and you're thinking like oh this is am i wearing the right colors and stuff but it was not that way at all. It was just a lot of people who were, you know, there having a good time, all walks of life. There was uh, an eye surgeon celebrating her birthday um, at this, you know, divey bar. and uh, Not doing surgeries. Not doing surgeries. Not doing cataract although, surgery yeah, roadside. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and everybody was from somewhere else. So we were uh, at this bench eating our Indian fry bread, which, by the way, is delicious and is basically bread fried with a bunch of stuff on it. You can get all sorts of stuff on it. Um and, uh, yeah, so I would recommend doing that. That that would be sort of like one of the less obvious things if, if you're in town uh, is is do that quick drive up to Cave Creek and stop at Smoke and Joe to pick up your cigars on your way there. Um, outside of that, uh, I outside wish... Outside of that, read the piece. Re- read the piece, and I will say, uh, you know, when, when we're doing these travel stories, we you know, we're trying to get the material. Uh, if I had the trip to do over again, I would add on time 
because you really want to spend a lot of time outside. Like that's a place that you want to go and like do some several hours long hikes and hikes, yeah. stuff like that. Play which, golf. Play golf. Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon, all that stuff. Yeah, like you want to do that stuff, but it, it didn't make any sense from a an ROI standpoint on this trip. Like Thank if, you, Nick. Yeah, if we had come back and said like, hey, guess what? You know, uh, spent the whole first day in a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> we got five pictures out of it. <laughs> the bill was high enough, Nick. Right, yeah, yeah. So, I appreciate that. Yeah, but that would have saved you some money if we'd just been stuck on a mountain the whole time. Um, but anyway, yeah, if you're planning this trip, build in some time for just, like, just being, like, walking around. Just walking in the in the desert. And bring a lot of water. Yeah, uh, there Mitch, isn't much. Yeah, Mitch Hirsch actually uh, told us. Uh, Mitch Hirsch is the owner of Cigar the King. The owner of Cigar King uh, was part of the reason why we didn't go to a particular hiking area. Because he was like, yeah, I'm from here, and I know that people are coming in from out of town and constantly having to get rescued from that mountain. So don't do Camelback Mountain unless you know what the hell you're doing, apparently, according to Mitch. We took that advice because we were wearing jeans and long sleeve shirts. And, and loafers. Loafers. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, before we move on to the next segment of our program, a word from El Galang Cigars. El Galang is the maker of Vegas del Purial. It was announced at the IPCPR trade show and is now out in the world, in the wild, on the market. It includes, uh, their other cigars include uh, El Galán, Doña Nieves, and extensions of both of those. Vega del Purial is an homage to El Galán founder Félix Mesa's paternal grandparents, Felipe and Caridad Mesa, who grew up, or who grew tobacco in the Cuban province of Las Villas. It is they also, also grew up. They also grew up there, yeah. It's also an homage to their farm. The cigar is made at El Galán's Esteli factory and features an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper, Nicaraguan fillers, and a new hybrid tobacco called FFMC96 for the binder. It is available in four Vitolas, a 5x50 Robusto, a 5.5x52 Bellicoso, a 7x38 Lancero, and a 6 and 3 quarters by 52 Super Toro. The cigars range in price from $8.90 to $10. All right. And that's it from El Galang Cigars, which you can find from on El social media. Cigars? El Galang Cigars, which you can find on social media, by the way, at El Galang Cigars. El Galang Cigars, El Galang Cigars. Also do ElGalangCigars.com. All right. Uh, some news in the world of, uh, of sports. Dwayne Wade and LeBron James had their final face-off. Embrace. Final embrace. <laughs> uh, Great game. Yeah. You watched it? I caught the replay last night. Oh, you did! Wow. Yeah. So you watched the beginning to end. You watched the replay. Watch the second half. Okay. Um, How do you do that? I can't. I can't watch a game that already. I, I thought it well. <laughs> I was switching channels and and it was on. I go, let me catch this, and uh, it came down to the wire. It was very yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. You wish the outcome had been different with the ball in Wade's hands way at the very end, but he had it. Uh, he had a shot at it. Yeah. But he missed it. Yeah. But whatever. I mean, it Great. looked like uh, it looked like LeBron knew exactly where he was going to be. <laughs> You know what? Taking what, a step back. You know what happened? On one possession, uh, LeBron was taking it to the basket. Wade goes up to block it and uh, plays great defense. LeBron misses it and they call a foul. So Wade's like going. This is like in the third quarter. Wade's like going crazy. Like, what are you kidding me? I didn't touch him. LeBron goes to the line and shoots two bricks. And I'm like, he had to have missed those on purpose. I've never, ever seen him brick two yeah. free throws like that. And it was almost like a, 
I got you, bud. You didn't follow me. I'm just going to brick these. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but it was good. Yeah. I didn't know about that. My question, what I was going to say, especially having you having watched the game, was if you're Wade and in that position, or how do you feel about having been stopped on that last play? Like, that's a, I want that one, you know? Give, give that. Give me that. It's a regular season game, dude. No, he's not going to give him that. I know, but. It was just shitty. It was shitty to like. I I wanted, whatever. As a as a as a Wade fan, I wanted to see Wade go out on top in that matchup. Sure, uh, but you know it's what it's. LeBron's got a great supporting cast around him. Um, right, a lot so, of potential there too. Aside from already being good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got they got some talent on there. So we'll see. It's a shame, but he Wade as as much of they said that he's he's already. Uh, you know, lost it all. I mean, he played spectacular. Yeah. yeah, this year he has looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the first half of that game, I read he he was awful. Uh, but but the second half, uh, I read that he picked it up. But no, he's been he's been very good this year. Did you guys hear the like their little back and forth immediately after the game, and they do their embrace and they're talking with all these cameras surrounding him? Te quiero, papo. <laughs> Te quiero, papo. <laughs> That'd be great. If Wade had dropped at the Ghetto Papo, oh my God. It, it, like, five streets would be named after him. Yes. Um, well, he's already got a county, but. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and they're talking about renaming Biscayne, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, no, but in this exchange. I didn't hear that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a push to rename Biscayne it. Boulevard? Yeah, there's a push to rename it. Wade Boulevard? Wade. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Uh, I don't know how, like, maybe oh, Probably for a or, section of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like, right in front of the arena or something. All right. I'll um, give that. <laughs> you're gonna have that. <laughs> you are not quick to give up Biscayne. No. Uh, no. But no. But, but, the, but by the way, wait. Biscayne is not the name of a person or anything. Okay. No, no. I just wanted to. It's not like we're taking the name away. I agree with you. No, no, no. I completely I agree with you that it's. I don't like when we tear down our history. I, I agree yeah. with you. Uh, That's the only. But we're not taking it from it. No, a no, person no, that no, we no. go. Oh wow. No. It's, no, I know. It was just, just like from game. a historical. No, no. I mean, yeah. it's got, it's got too much meaning. Like I think of, I don't know. You have too many memories on Biscayne Boulevard. No. Okay. <laughs> I just want it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me alone. Uh. Well, no. What what I found funny was that exchange where it's like you know these guys talk all the time. If you go back and you watch that video, uh-huh. where they've just taken off their jerseys and they're you know they hug or whatever, and they're having this super corny exchange that you know they maybe like even rehearsed in front of them in front of their respective mirrors, where James is telling him like, "Man, can you believe it? You came this far, and now you know this is the Staples Center. We're both in the Staples Center." It's like, what? What is this conversation, oh. dude? Like, what is this weirdness? Uh, and I have to. It, it occurred to me then, like. That's got to be an awkward thing for Wade or anybody else who's on one of these farewell tours where, like, after every game, you got to do this thing and you got to, like, have a drawn out, like, hug it out thing for the cameras while they're all, like, they're getting their shot. Yeah, but I, but I think that that, that only ha- is probably only going to happen with LeBron in terms of that long drawn out thing. But, no, they've done the jersey yeah. exchange. Yeah, yeah, the jersey exchange, yes. But, dudes. you know, I mean, that is really his boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I, I saw him do the Jersey exchange. I, I forget who they were playing. Maybe like Phoenix or somebody. Yeah. Somebody, and they really don't have like you know one of these like stars that but have been in the league for out. a long. Exactly. So they got the new whatever whatever rookie is playing good on their team. So they they did the Jersey exchange, which seemed awkward. You know, yeah, they're yeah. doing the whole hug it out thing, and I'm like, okay, who is Ooh. this guy? <laughs> who is this guy? 
the fuck is that guy? Who the fuck is that? Well, hi, nice to meet you. Here's my jersey. Right. I'm my, Dwayne Wade. My very sweaty jersey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Uh, I don't have a transition here. Smocking guns. Uh, if you follow political Twitter very much, smocking gun is the phrase du jour. Smocking gun is the new kofefi. Donald Trump did Donald Trump things on Twitter. He's been doing the Donald Trump all the time. And his latest thing was about that Russia investigation not finding a smocking gun. Mm. S-M-O-C-K-I-N-G, smocking. Um, I think we've touched on this sort of thing on the podcast before, but... Let's just revisit. I mean, obviously, there's no debate. Smoking is, if it is a word, it wasn't the right one here. Sounds like something you would do to a cigar incorrectly. Smoking. Oh. You like smocked it. You oh. smocked it. Maybe we we, you may be making something up here that, I, that, yeah. that that could stick. Let's make this the thing we ask for tweets on that only the schmooze will respond no, to. No, no, we had we had some responses to the last. Uh, oh yeah. Thing. Oh, you know what? Why don't we? Yeah, so while you're I'm looking going for, and read uh, people's responses about uh, Sentinel Island. Yeah, so while you're looking for that. I will give people the new prompt. If smocking were a cigar term, what would it be? Like, what are we going to adopt smocking as the word for? What are you doing to your cigar when you smock it? <laughs> that's... <laughs> so that's, that's it. That's, that that's your guy. homework assignment. Look at that guy smocking that, that cigar. Look at him smock oh, away on that sm- thing. Smocker. Smocking that particulars. <laughs> So uh, on the last episode of the podcast, we, we were talking about North Sentinel Island. Um, so Eric is looking for responses, but the idea was, uh, you know, North Sentinel Island is the place where that uh, missionary was, um, was killed by the, the natives or the locals uh, who did not want him to be there. They said, uh, thanks, but no thanks on all this Jesus stuff. Uh, here's an arrow in your pee-pee um, and maybe the rest of you also. Uh, and so we were talking about like, okay, if you had to get into and out of Sentinel, North Sentinel Island, how do you survive your possible encounter with the Sentinelese? What's your escape plan? Uh, did you see that meme? I think I saw it on Joe Rogan. It was like the ultimate, uh, border patrol or whatever. (laughs) Border patrol world champions. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like the picture of the two guys on the beach. One guy's doing the. I'm I'm, I'm a little surprised that Donald Trump never tweeted about recruiting some Sentinelese. Border Patrol agents. <laughs> Let me know if we need to pause this. So, no, we've okay. got... Uh, so, we got the, the schmooze, of course. Uh, he he posted uh, showing up to North Sentinel Island like... And he's got uh, a gif of, uh, of a dancing knight in full armor. Oh, man. Pretty hilarious. Knight. Yeah. Uh, with the hashtag, it's only a flesh wound. Schmooze, I think you meant to say it's merely a flesh wound. I think that's a line from the movie from um, Monty Python, Holy Grail. And then uh, another dude, not that Alex Acosta, Alex M. Acosta. So not not the Alex Correct. Acosta. The yeah. other Alex. Not that, not that one. This Alex Acosta. Yeah. <laughs> he said getting dropped in Sentinel Island is the best reason to pack some Gurkhas, the Nepalese soldiers. Short distance to get there, definitely not the cigar. I would share the oil Amistad gold. Hope that a golden friendship would bloom, is what Ooh, he said. So poetic. Yeah. Still gonna die. So you you're still gonna die. <laughs> so there was a few others, but uh, yeah, those were the the highlights there. All right. So congratulations to the two of you. Uh, I don't know whether you're win winning. Anything. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. So uh, 
So yeah, let us know what it would mean to smock a cigar. What are you doing when you're smocking? Not smoking, smocking your cigar. Uh, moving on. Would that be like? Uh, well, don't oh. don't. We don't want to throw out any suggestions of what that would be or or ideas. Let the let the people answer. It, because yeah, we thought I mean, if you guys have ideas, that's fine. I personally, uh, I, I may I may submit my stuff. Oh, I via like that. Twitter. I like this. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it that way. Let's get on the Twitter right. on the Twitter machine. Um, Time magazine every year they do their person of the year. Not nearly as intriguing as the cigar snob top twenty five list, but still, you know, it's the second most anticipated uh, uh, thing in Release. in the magazine world. Behind our list, their person of the year this time was uh, what did they? What was the term? The Guardians. So they are referring to. Uh, journalists who in various ways have been persecuted or silenced or whatever in def- in, while they're defending truth. Um, and then subsequently killed. I don't think all of them were killed, were they? I think one of them, for example, is like the, is uh, in the Philippines is the subject of a, a tax fraud thing, but that they're, I think the, the suggestion is that Duterte, uh, it's sort of like a broader effort that he's using tax stuff to like silence his political opponents. I don't, I don't know that all of them are dead. Okay. Cause Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's, he's dead. Um, and, uh, but anyway, so, uh, thoughts and, I mean, this, uh, this thing, well, I guess I'll, I'll start here. The, to me, this is like yet another thing of like that kind of soft reference to the Trump thing. Mm-hmm. Like there are a Trump attack on journalists. Yeah, there are yeah. stories being told and movies that are only coming out, uh, and that are only popular in the way that they're popular or being given the attention they're being given because people, I think, are you know there's there's what seems like an effort to contribute to this sense of like journalists here are especially under attack. And to me, you know, before I came on with Cigar Snob uh, in 2013. Most of what I did, like I was, you know, I went to a journalism school and like was, you know, my professors were like Pulitzer winners and shit. And, and then I was doing all this stuff with like people who are actually persecuted in, in Cuba when I was doing Cuba activism stuff with journalists there. Um, the American journalists who made this list are, uh, were the people at the, um, uh, at the, I don't want to butcher the name. What is it? The Capital uh, Gazette. The Capital Gazette. That's it. Um, where there was that that shooter who came in, but I don't know to uh, not to diminish the tragedy of what happened at the Capitol sure. Gazette, but it seems like a totally different category of thing because you, all these other people who made covers from other countries yeah. are being actively persecuted by people who have a beef with a free press, right? And then here it was a a nut job right. who was just a crazy person who had all these issues that were not free press issues. This was not a an instance of like threats to to the media. Yeah, uh, this guy had a personal beef with a newspaper that had written some stuff about him. That one seems out of place. I'd substitute like Jim Acosta for for those guys. At least then it's somebody who's dealing with the government. But then it becomes silly in a different <laughs> way. It it's like shit. This is the you're like if I was one of these other guys, I'd be like, dude, we're dealing with what we're dealing with in the Philippines or with the Saudis or whatever, and and that's what you're putting on par with with our situation. Just feels a little. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think I would, it's a broader yeah. it's a broader issue. I think that the the Trump fake news uh, related attacks are one thing, but but I think that newspapers, which are the source for most journalism work, uh, I think they're under attack 
because of just circumstance, right? I mean, uh, subscribers are down. Everyone's getting their news online. So when subscribers are down, advertisers are down. When advertisers are down, revenue is down and jobs are down. So there's not that many uh, journalism jobs. And so there is a real fear there that, that, that we lose journalists. And, and journalists are necessary. Sure. Uh, they're necessary for, for a democracy. They're necessary to, to point out uh, and, and bring light to, to issues. So I think I'm, I'm okay with the bigger issue. I don't know that I would put them as person of the year because I think you're kind of misappropriating what that whole thing is about. Right. right? I'd, I'd rather you choose a person uh, who used his or her platform or, or to do good in the world. Right. right? Not, not that these people didn't. They, they, they do, but it's it, it's almost too yeah. many. But if the yeah, and you if know, the focus it's not is the, the person of the year, these are people. Right. Well, it's almost like when the they, people of the year. Okay, for people of the year, we're gonna say journalists. Right. Remember when the person of the year was you? Yeah. Yeah, and they put like a. Do you remember that? So time. No. Yeah, the person of the year was you, and the whole thing was about like, it, it felt like a very lazy thing. But yeah, uh, but it was like uh, I guess cop out is yeah. It, it was sort of like uh, about media. And like YouTube and Twitter and sort of like you know here's you're the content creator yeah you, right and yeah. so it was about that phenomenon but you know it ends up being like it felt like there was more integrity to that thing in decade in years or decades past right when it was really just like who was the most significant because there were some people that made person of the year that I, if you don't look at it as a as a superlative or like a, a praise I think that's the other thing is you could also give it to like listen you know hey the story this year was this asshole who did this crazy thing and. That was the most important person this year. But there was a time when it was approached more that way, that there were people that were just like, you know, hey, look, this is this was the person that affected history this year. Um, in any case, in this time this time around, it's about these uh, the guardians as as time termed them, uh, and you know, it's an interesting thing to look into. And if if nothing else, I would say, you know, I think most people are familiar with that um, with with the American story that made those covers, but. Check out the covers and and learn about some of these people, uh, you know, because I think it's uh, it's good for purposes of of getting perspective and also just kind of being aware of what's going on with uh, people in journalism and all these other places to to be exposed to. And in that sense, I think it's you know I think that's that's the good about this list is to your point, right? They they there is attention being given to some of these other cases. It's just I think the way it's being covered and the way it's being talked about is in these very broad strokes where people are just treating it as like, oh, well, you know, even time is acknowledging that, you know, we live in a time of journalists being under threat. And it's like, mm, I don't know, to me, not here. I think we're, we're in pretty good shape right now. Well, like I said, in, except for the fact that we're losing journalist jobs. Uh, yeah, I mean, but under, that isn't I mean, any under, like, one person. Threat. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, but by the way, I just looked it up and, and this isn't uh, by any stretch the first time that they have done groups of people. Right. Uh, uh, there's unnamed groups like the, you know, 1950, the American Fighting Man was the person of the year. Scientists, Middle Americans, right? There was groups like that. And then there's also multiple named uh, people like Nixon and Kissinger and Reagan and Andropov. So, right. Uh, yeah. So th this isn't this isn't anything new. Right. Right. Um, anyway. So, uh, yeah. Take a look at the person of the year. How about this for another Twitter thing? Who's your person of the year? You're running the how about, show? How about if we make it your cigar industry person of the year? Who's your cigar industry person of the year? I like that. 
uh, let us know. Tweet us at Cigar Snob Mag. Uh, or get on Facebook, but tw- I think we like the Twitter thing for this sort of stuff. Um, the Twitter machine. The Twitter machine. Get on your Twitter machine and let us know who your cigar industry person of the year is. No, they will not get anything. Uh, we're not sending them a plaque. We may not even talk about it here. No, we'll probably talk about it here. But, uh, yeah, let us know who your cigar industry person of the year is. Uh, maybe we'll send them a cigar to smoke. My person of the year is campers. Eric, Ooh. you've been camping. Yes, I How have. How did that go? Uh, well, so th- this isn't the first rodeo, so let's start with that. I think you know most people may or may not know that uh, we camp. Uh, one of the reasons we camp is because... We know, being you and your family. Yes, being, yes. The three of us are not going Sorry, camping. you guys don't go camping. I'd like to. Ivan has gone. I'd like to. He has dropped in on a camping trip. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, we, we like to camp because with my schedule being so crazy with the magazine and this podcast, uh, whenever... I get a little break. It's very easy to just hit the road uh, for a weekend with the kids and and just be outdoors and roast s'mores and make hot dogs or grill hot dogs. Uh, we don't make hot dogs, <laughs> but uh, but anyway, yeah, we just went camping. We went to Highland Hammocks uh, State Park here in Florida, which is a cool state park. It's uh, it's the first state park in Florida, and uh, great trails and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a good time, man. Smoked uh, actually. I only smoked one cigar. Normally on camping, I'll smoke at least one or two a day. But this trip, uh, things happened. It was raining one day. It was very hard to to keep a cigar uh, lit. It was so freaking wet. Do you run into other cigar smokers when you when yeah. you camp? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, a couple sites over on this particular trip, uh, my son was uh, Matthew was riding riding his bike, and he comes he comes over. He goes, "Baba, I think." Uh, I think there's some people in that site over there, smoking, doing drugs, and <laughs> he's, he's, drugs. Tw- he's 12 years old. They're out, they're over there getting smoked. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, where, buddy's uh, site 41? He's like, he knew exactly the site. And I go, well, how do you know? He's, well, I can smell it, Papa. I know what it smells like. Well, what's what, what smells like? He's like, it smells like weed when you oh, when man. you ride your bike past their site. Okay, buddy. Well, just don't cruise by that site. Let those guys stitches, kid. Yeah, let those guys do their thing. But uh, but I did. We also uh, we flew a drone, a a a cheapo drone, over site forty one. Over site (laughs) forty one. Took some pictures of the of the guys smocking, and uh, I was actually told by a ranger. He was very cool. He said, uh, "Listen, you know, you can finish flying it till your battery runs out, but but we don't allow drones in state parks." So that was a bit oh, of, a, man. of a downer. Yeah, because the state park. I mean, with all those animals, there's tons of gators in that park and and deer. So it, it'd be cool to fly over uh, certain areas and check it out. But no, not allowed. And I get it. I do get it. You, you in know. case your drone falls next to one of these gators and and it eats you, I don't know. No, 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 no. It's just uh, you know, your your drone is likely to fall out of the sky somewhere out there. And uh, oh, you would think there's so much space, but okay. I know, but you, you don't you don't want that that level of uh, of pollution. I, I get I get it, I get it. And then you're, you're pollution. Oh, because you it falls and then you're not getting it back, so well, it stays certain, out there. In certain spots, you're not going to be able to get it. Got it. Right. Right. You know. So I, I that guy was that guy was cool about it, but yeah, uh, but yeah, it was a bit of a downer. He said no uh, RC cars or anything like that or drones. But the drugs over the on drugs on forty one are allowed, huh? <laughs> You can get smocked. 
<laughs> but anyway, yeah, it was a good time, man. Um, so did, did you mention where exactly? Highland uh, Hammocks or yeah. Highlands Hammock State so Park. So you've done camping in a bunch of places. Do you have like uh, somebody's from out, outside of Florida or somebody's in Florida looking to camp for the first time? Uh, if you're looking to camp for the first time in Florida, uh, the springs for sure. Uh, right. Manatee Springs, Rainbow Springs, those are those are a good time. Yeah, because now's the time to do that. Well, yeah. Well, not the springs because it's a little bit chilly for that. Okay. Uh, but camping in general right now is great. But the best state park we have, in my opinion, is down in the Keys, Bahia Onda, or as uh, non-Spanish speakers would say, Bahia Honda. Honda. Bahia Honda. Bahia Honda oh, is. Uh, it's const- It's consistently ranked as one of the best state parks in the country, and I completely agree. It is badass. I mean, you can, you're you're camping feet from the water's edge it's it's beautiful beautiful down there it's the only like nice beach in the keys too correct yeah there aren't many all right so let's return to the nice beach that is the particular airs <laughs> you almost it looked like you almost hurt yourself saying that the particulares so again we are smoking particulares number one which is a uh, nicaraguan puro made by agonorsa for sindicato uh a six and a quarter by 48 how you guys feel about it now so i'm about a third of the way down maybe a little bit more i think ivan has been cranking away on his but uh i I think the the flavors that we talked about earlier nuts nuts cream spice cedar honey a little bit of honey yeah i I agree uh i think they've just intensified uh at this point early early on i was i was uh i was very early in the cigar so they were very soft now they're uh, they're in their full in terms of flavor. Right now it's at full flavor, not strength. But yeah, uh, yeah strength has stayed about the same. Yeah, medium. Yeah, I mean, in, in some for some smokers, it may they may consider it mild to medium. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see people saying that. I, I think it's squarely on on medium. But uh, beautiful cigar. I, like I said, I I've always enjoyed the cigar. Ivan. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I mean, the the flavors, as I said earlier, are in balance. Um, you get, uh, you know, vanilla, caramel. I, I get all these very uh, smooth, uh, sweet uh, flavors from it. They're very nice. And I love the packaging. It, it it takes me back to, like, I don't know, like an old Cuban brand that I'm smoking. So it's, it's very nice. I think that was the idea. Yeah, no, good job. <laughs> I, I agree with the vanilla and the caramel. That's what I get more so than than the honey, but I, I I tend to prefer cigars that are on the sweeter side. So I'm glad about this transition. Like it was good before, but this is more like my sort of wheelhouse. Yeah. Um. So so far so good. Maybe we'll. So you want to talk a little bit about Sindicato as a? Sure. Yeah. As a cigar company, because it is kind of a unique company in that it is a a cigar company comprised of retailers. I forget how many it is. We did a story on this years ago. I think it's like a few, at least a few dozen, right? Like in the yeah. 40 or 50, right? Something yeah, like I, I, we, can, we can look it up. And, they, and they've added new partners. But the, the idea is that, uh, and so Sindicato, as you might imagine, for the non-Spanish speakers, means syndicate. So or Italian. Or Italian. Um, is, uh, is a syndicate of cigar uh, retailers who kind of banded together to uh, make their own brands, um, and you know, uh, and they're all brick and mortar. So these are brick and mortar retailers who, uh, you know, the the way that they express it is, you know, they they wanted something that they 
knew they could uh, they could count on and recommend to customers and not have to worry about uh, ending up sort of like in those clearance sort of sales um, in uh, in online retailers that you know the, the brick and mortar retailers are generally not fans of. Um, however, these cigars uh, when when you hear that uh, it it has this sort of I think some people's gut reaction is like oh this is retailers like trying to screw us or something like they're just trying to have make sure they have something expensive. Dude, this is an excellent cigar made by one of the most uh, you know respected factories in premium cigars, and what we're smoking is a six and a quarter by forty eight that's priced under eight dollars. Like this is yeah. Yeah, and I think when they first uh, launched, they were maybe not exclusively, but ma- for the majority, they were sold at these retailer shops. But now I think you can pick them up at any correct at yeah. any retailer around the country. Yeah, so. yeah. Obviously, being a member retailer gets you maybe like you have more assurance of right. what you're going to get, uh, and for anybody else. But I I think that uh, yeah, I don't know how many accounts they're in. But even just I mean, some of the retailers that that they are in. Or that, that our members have obviously multiple locations. Like some of these yeah. syndicato uh, members are, are some of like the retailers with the biggest footprints in the country. So even just among members, I think you're talking about in the hundreds of stores. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, Eric, I don't know if you got anything. Yeah, it doesn't have numbers on their side. Got it. Um, yeah, we, we did a story on them uh, years and years ago. I'm not going to recommend people go back and read it because it's probably a little dated by now. Uh because it was like at the very beginning of Syndicato, and I'm sure yeah, it was a lot's like changed. Right at the beginning. Right, right. Um, but uh, yeah, if if you're not familiar with them, that's uh, a brand to get familiar with, I think. Um, so back to the sports world, Miami Miracle. Hey, do we before we get to the Miami sure. Miracle? Yeah, okay. Uh, and, and I think it bears mentioning. You let me know if you want to not. Okay. But. Uh, None of these companies, uh, of these cigars that we smoke on the show, are. None of this is paid for. Oh no! So no, I, no, I just no. want to make that clear that you know we're not uh, promoting something because uh, someone's paid us to do it. Yeah. In so. fact, I, I would take that farther. We we actually had another cigar we were about to smoke, and we changed our minds about five minutes before we turned the microphones. Yeah, on. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Because uh, it just wasn't. It wasn't anything that we would feel good recommending. Right, right. So. Yeah. So this is always things that we're in the mood for. If anything, we take these podcasts as an opportunity to smoke stuff we actually want to smoke. <laughs> and to smoke them together and talk about it. Exactly. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's. That, I'm not sure we've ever actually said that no. in those explicit terms. But, yeah, we we're, this is not a paid thing. Um, so uh, Miami Miracle. The Miami Miracle. The Miami Miracle. So that happened while I was camping. So you missed the Miami Miracle. I missed it. I have since watched the replay of that miracle. For those who many, don't many know times. what the hell you're talking about. Well, I think it was so big. It was in the, it was, I mean, if you're into sports, it was everywhere. Well, maybe not, maybe that term. It I don't know The how, term is what I'm talking about. I know yeah. people have called it a miracle, but here for sure, you say that and like everybody knows what you're talking about, but. Right. Ivan, give us a recap of the Miami Miracle because you did see it. I saw the replay. I wasn't watching it live. You see a lot of replays, bro. <laughs> Give us the recap anyway. So, Dolphins Patriots this week at Hard Rock. At Miami. Hard Rock in Miami. Last play of the game. I think it's like 22 seconds left. Dolphins have the ball. Uh, fourth and like long. Seven, but they're like 70. Yeah, the last play of the game, they're 70 yards away. Fourth and long. 
And I think Bill Belichick thinks the Dolphins' only hope is a Hail Mary, so they put Rob Gronkowski in to play defense as a safety. Yeah. And the Dolphins... Sue McCourty, right, which would have been... And the Dolphins executed the best hook and ladder since, uh, I don't know. Since Tony Nathan. No, it was, uh, by the way, seven seconds left in the game. Okay. Yeah. I just, I'm looking at the highlight right now. It was 33-28, New England up. And, uh, yeah, Rob Gronkowski whipped all over himself. Whiffs on the tackle. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, Dolphins uh, executed and won the game on a hook and ladder. So, pretty exciting. And I heard some. So, one thing that I thought was cool while watching the, the replay uh, that no one ever talks about is the freaking offensive lineman running downfield. Uh, on that play to get the blocks in. If, if if there's a couple blocks in there that are critical, if if they don't happen, there's no touchdown there. So those are big 300-plus-pound dudes getting downfield, uh, making blocks. So shout-out to those guys, those big uglies getting down there making blocks. Big uglies. That's what it, no, I know. That, that common yeah, 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 term yeah, yeah, for yeah, yeah. offensive linemen. That's what they are. The other interesting thing I was is thinking that, of Nick when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say that, but he's actually coiffed today. He's he, he is, he is. And, uh, Tell me something coif. about his hair. And svelte. Wow, man. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty smocked right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was a pretty exciting thing. I, I didn't get to watch it live, but I was getting text texted while camping uh, by everyone. Are you watching this? Are you, we just are witnessed you, yeah. a miracle. Yeah. So, anyway, go Dolphins. Yoo-hoo. Oh, have you heard? Have you heard the? Have you heard <laughs> the? Uh, can we? Can we? Can we get the? No horn, don't, don't no like, horn don't, for the Dolphins. Don't let Kevin Hart oh, hear that. Yoo-hoo. I'm a Raider fan. I'm not gonna blow this horn very high. Come on now. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Half-hearted. Oh man. Miami has a no. Dolphin. Did you hear? Did you can hear? We cut the, that in here, no, please. No man. No. Did you hear yeah. the Titanic? Uh, overdub over the plague. Yes. No. I thought that was great. Yeah, we'll cut in here. Tannehill will throw it, and this will end it after the shovel, or will it? Miami running around, circling, and the goal! Kachowski, the Anyway, do- uh, right. fucking Ivan poo-pooing the Dolphins because his Raiders suck. Uh, we beat the Steelers this week on a, I guess, the Oakland miracle. Yes. And uh, didn't you guys just fire your GM or something? After the great win. After yeah. the win? Yeah. <laughs> so Raiders. <laughs> yeah. So. So. So where last, are we, Nick? One get last, us back uh, in line here. One last uh, thing before we get into our final segment. Uh just a quick announcement, unless, Eric, unless you want to spend a little more time on this, but no, there's I not don't. a ton to say. Uh, but we have mentioned that this coming issue, as every January issue, we're going to be uh, publishing our list of the top 25 cigars of the year. <laughs> Boom. Full uh, horn. All right. That list will be going online before it goes into print. It's one of the very few things that we put online before we put it in print and, and ship it. Uh, so... If you want to mark, if you're the kind of person that needs to know as soon as this stuff comes out, mark your calendar. We will be announcing 
these cigars uh, or, you know, putting out our list in three chunks over the course of three days. That's January 7, 8, and 9, which is a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which uh, gives you time then Thursday, Friday to get into your local cigar shop. They should have made sure that this stuff was available and all that stuff because uh, a lot of cigar, you know, a lot of cigar retailers will pay attention to this stuff and then make sure that the, the items that they stock that are on the list are ready to go for you. Um, but uh, yeah, January 7, 8, 9. Uh, and then, of course, as we always do on the 9th is when we do our top uh, five. Right, our top ten, our top five. Yeah, uh, yeah, our top, top five, five are announced on the ninth. Right, so on the ninth we'll do the top five, and then it'll be over the span of uh, of four hours, where yep. every hour on the hour we're putting out uh, one of those top five cigars. Uh, so keep an eye out for that January seven, eight, and nine. You're gonna find the list at cigarsnob.com or cigarsnobmag.com, uh, or follow us on social media because we're also like active during the release of all that stuff. Um, with you know, giving you links to the to these lists and all that, uh, go into Instagram and Twitter and, and turn on your uh, your notifications so that you get like push notifications when when we're putting that stuff out. Uh, before we get into our parting recommendations, a word from episode sponsor Drew Estate. Introducing the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro, which features a dense, plantation-grown Matafina wrapper over a Connecticut River Valley broadleaf binder with fillers from Nicaragua. Showcasing the floral and earthy Brazilian Matafina tobacco with unique texture, the Herrera Esteli Brazilian Maduro is manufactured at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate, blended by Willy Herrera, and presented in five Vitolas. It's now available at Drew Estate retailers nationwide. All right, and as we always do, we're going to end this episode with our parting recommendations. This is where we let you know things that uh, we think you should be doing, watching, reading, smoking, drinking, eating. Ivan, what do you got? Hmm. All right, got an Instagram follow for you. It's called McDojo Life. It's M-C-D-O-J-O-L-I-F-E. Uh, how do I describe this? I guess it's like martial arts bloopers uh, and anything funny in the world of martial arts. I I I, I caught some of it on Joe Rogan's uh, Instagram, and it was a uh, it was a rabbit hole for me. I, I just started clicking from thing to thing, and it is the most hilarious thing you've ever seen, especially if you're into funny martial arts people doing crazy. Uh, death punches and people faking, uh, falling and all sorts of stuff. So check that out. It's pretty funny. MC Dojo Life. You did show me one that was pretty hilarious where the, the poor girl gets oh, whacked it's, by, it's, a, by a piece of wood. They're all great. Uh, oh, so I, I had the opportunity, thanks to our friends at Creativas uh, PR, uh, I had the opportunity to have a dinner at Earl's Kitchen and Bar. I'd, I'd never been. It's a good place. Uh, we have one here in Dadeland, but there's, it's a national chain. It's, it's actually a Canadian company. And what I loved about it is that their terrace is super cigar friendly. And the food was good. Music was good. Uh, I went on a, on a Wednesday night, and the, the one here in Dadeland has a, what they call Havana Nights. So they have a little cigar roller out there. The cigars were actually good. Uh, they had a a little Cuban song trio, uh, like traditional Cuban music. 
just a damn good time, and the food was awesome. It's like you you've been. Yeah, I like that place. Yeah. So then last night, uh, Liana Fuente was in town. She's like, "Where can we go smoking and have a couple drinks and some food?" And I was like, "I got you. We'll go to Earl's." So she thought I was talking about Earl of Sandwich. Mm. So everyone, whenever which you say good, we're going go to go, good too. Everyone thinks you're going to Earl. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's it's a little bit better than Earl of Sandwich. So, uh, but anyway, Earl's Kitchen and Bar, and uh, and a shout out to Creativas for inviting us that night. That was a good time, and uh, yeah, check that out. Earl's, I think it's uh, Earl's ca. That's their uh, URL. Good stuff. All right, so uh, my recommendation is a uh, little ways away, but something to keep an eye out for. Uh, I've become, speaking of McDojo life, uh, I've I've become a UFC fan. Over the last year, We've year and a half or so, happen. yeah, like I've gotten, I'm like into this. Um, uh, you used to be a big basketball fan. I still am. You know what happened uh, with basketball for me is that my uh, we lost LeBron James. No, well, oh. there, there's that. No, but my cable provider sucks, and so the amount that I have to pay, and it's ridiculous, the amount that I have to pay to get any network that carries NBA games in my package is insane. In my, pa- mm. I don't have ESPN. I don't have <laughs> that. Deserves a <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. Anyway, so that's what it's happened with me in basketball. I'm anymore, still a basketball fan, uh, but UFC 233. This is me uh, with my tiger bias. Uh, UFC 233 will be January 26. Uh, ben Askren, who was a uh, champion wrestler at the University of Missouri at Columbia. Oh, there's the tiger bias. There's Missouri the tiger bias. Tiger. I, a Mizzou I see. tiger. Uh, was uh, was on the Olympic team with Daniel Cormier, uh, and has been a, a champion in uh, in both Bellator and One Championship, which is a, a Singapore-based uh, promotion. But they're like a big deal. More, maybe more like Muay Thai focused. Kind but, of a big deal. Yeah. So anyway, Ben Askren, who is now 34, uh, will be uh, will be fighting in UFC 233, um, and. Uh, I, th- I think that's against Robbie Lawler now, although they may have changed that. Anyway, if you're not a UFC fan, it may not you know mean a whole lot. But Ben Askren is—it's one of those cases where it's like it, you don't see this in the other in, in the major sports because the leagues are so dominant. But this is one of those rare cases where it's like you've got this major organization, and then there's a newcomer coming in from another promotion or another league who is like instantly top contender. Um, so. That should be, uh, it, even if you're not, if you haven't been following the sport, I think there will be something interesting or could be something interesting about this guy sort of showing up and like taking over a division out of nowhere when, you know, a month ago he had nothing to do with the UFC. It was uh, a little bit like uh, like Fernando Alonso coming from right. uh, F1 and running in the Indy 500 yeah. and almost winning it. Right, right, right. Okay. So, so, yeah, if, you know, even if you're not a huge fan of following that stuff, I think there's the potential for, for that being like kind of a, an interesting moment to, to see. So UFC 233 uh, next month. I think with that, we got anything else we want to add? I got nothing. Me neither. Cool. All right. So follow us on social media, Cigar Snob Mag, across all the stuff. CigarSnobMag.com and CigarSnobMag.com slash podcast for past episodes. And uh, also remember, we, uh, we print a magazine. So go to our website, hit the shop tab. And you can get a subscription for 18 bucks for the year, which is uh, every time we tell people that price. Is that still the price? Yep. Yeah. Every time we tell people that price, it's like the first thing I get is like, well, why, why am I not subscribed already? Yeah. And, uh, and also, if you want to just check out a copy, you can go to your local retailer because all of them have it. 
and uh, and also Barnes and Noble, Walmart, supermarkets all right. around the country, all over. All right. So thanks for listening. Keep smoking. <laughs> Later, keep smoking. <laughs>